Welcome or welcome back to the Introverted Black Mom Podcast. I'm so excited. This week we have a special guest. So dope, so knowledgeable, multi-hyphenate, too many passions and areas of expertise to get into them all. But this week we are going to talk about the state of self-care for Black women. Um, This has never been a more perfect time for this topic because July is BIPOC Mental Health Awareness. So this is the perfect time. I'm so excited. I'm your host, Shalia. Thank you for joining. I want to hop right into it. Make sure to download, subscribe, share the podcast, all that jazz. Let's hop right into this week's topic. Okay, today's guest is a coach, speaker, podcast host. She is also the founder of Kateka Corp, a technology startup, and the founder of Kateka Cares Foundation, both of which cater and advocate for the overall well-being of Black women. In addition, she has an app, the Exhale app, that also provides well-being resources for Black women. Please welcome Katara McCarty. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I was I almost fumbled on the intro. Before we got started, everybody, I was letting Katara know she is like multi-talented, so she has a bunch of stuff, and we decided <laughs> to shorten her intro just for time's sake. So. That's right. You did great. Thank you, Shalia. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you so much. So um, I would, like I was saying before, I was so excited when um, your PR team reached out. So I want to hop right into it. So let's talk about the state of self-care for Black women. What is it and why do we all need to prioritize it? Yeah, the state of self-care for Black women report really aims to fill a gap in survey data um, that is centered on Black women and their wellness and overall well-being um, pertaining to really their mental health, their emotional health, and their physical health in the context of their intersectional identities. So we launched the report um, last month now. We're in July, so it was in June, um, where we surveyed over a 1,000 Black women, um, really asking them, instead of um, folks having conversations um, without going to the source. We wanted to go to the source um, and really ask them about um, their own experiences with their inter- intersectional identities. And um, and so we have that. And then we also launched XL 2.0, which is, it's not XL 2.0, it's like 3.0 at this point. We keep making iterations, <laughs> but our new app, XL, is in market right now. Um, and oh, so wow. the new version just launched um, last week. And so we're really nice. excited that XL is um, an emotional well-being app that centers Black women, uh, their mental, emotional health. Um, it's, uh, it's a resource to uh, partner with Black women in navigating everyday stressors but also how those stressors are compounded because of systemic racism, systems of oppression. Nice. So I know you have a lot going, but I definitely know we really want to focus on the Exhale app. And y'all, I got the app. I was on it. I got it. I downloaded it a few days ago. It's really good. It's really good, y'all. Definitely download it. And we'll put the link in the show notes so everybody can check it out. So with the app, and it seems like you have a lot of background with um, mental health and like you said everything is centered around black women and just uplifting and and really diving into the experiences so could you tell us a bit about how you got started in this field or like what's your background what made you passionate about launching this app yeah my, it's really interesting i i never um i don't really consider myself 
a very techie person. Um, I was never on my wish list or vision board to have a tech company or to um, start an app. It really came yeah. out of a need. And so my background, I'm a certified coach. Um, and years ago, for well, for 16 years, um, really more than that, uh, more, like 18, <laughs> more like 18 years, I um, co-founded a nonprofit with my husband okay. that really served our community. So we had after school programs. We started mm -hmm. a school in Zambia, Africa, um, oh, wow. raised money to, to um, really uh, have fresh, clean water in, in a village yeah. in Zambia. And so just a lot of like community service work that we did for years became a certified coach because I still wanted to invest in people and help people. Um, and really, you know, what we've always, what I've always done um, really in my career is really come alongside people and be a support to them. And how can um, I be of service to you to enhance your life, to make your life better? And so um, with the community centers and the school and that, yeah. that's what, what I had done for, 20 years and then became a coach and a certified life coach and organizational coach. And so I was working with individuals, leaders within organizations, working with um, small um, companies to help them with their vision, their values, how to build an anti-racist, um, anti-racist uh, culture within their company. Oh, so wow. I was doing that. And then COVID came, hit us all in yes. the face, that, that. We still feel, the impact, <laughs> still feel the impact of that, the global pandemic. And I was really sitting in my basement trying to navigate my own stress. All of my, my whole business had come to a screeching halt. I'm also a public speaker. All of my events, my coaching that was in oh, person all came to a halt because mm -hmm. of COVID. And so I was, you know, kind of managing my stress from that. None of us knew how long this was going to happen, how it was going to impact us. It was really at the beginning and in March and April. And then the mm -hmm. killing of Ahmad Aubrey hit our, I just opened my phone one day and saw his killing happen, right? And right um, on the phone, right? Yeah. We all saw the yeah. the news and yeah. um, was watching that and just, hearing about how COVID was impacting the black community disproportionately, highly mm -hmm. concerning. Um, as I'm sure you remember, I was concerned, you know, I have an elderly black mother. I'm like, yeah. you know, she has pre-existing conditions. The news was reporting, mm -hmm. you know, you know, the black community is being impacted because they have pre-existing conditions. I'm like, yeah, because of racism, like right. tell the whole story, mm -hmm. right? They just weren't exactly. telling the whole story. Mm -hmm. I was frustrated. I was stressed. I was reaching for mainstream apps that are supposed to be of service to all to help oh manage stress, right? These mental health and mm -hmm. wellness apps, they were saying nothing to the black community during that time. And you remember, it was like, you know, it wasn't just a mod. It was Breonna Taylor. It was George. It was, um, we had someone killed here in our own community in Indianapolis. It was just, it just felt like what we know already happens in our community was being exasperated at that time. Yeah. And these app, these mental wellness apps were not addressing what the black community was going through. So I was pretty angry. I was pretty frustrated. Yeah. And so I remember thinking like, surely there's something 
for black women specifically. So I went on a little Google search and there was mm -hmm. nothing. And I was like, oh, there's a need. There's a need. So yeah. I've just kind of my whole adult, most of my adult career life has been see a need, figure out how to meet that need, right? And so I saw a need and I was like, I think I'm going to create, I want to create the very thing that I'm looking for, which is an app that not only helps me reduce stress as a human, but speaks specifically to the ways in which Black women have to navigate the world and navigate profession. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, That's yeah. So, well, one, thank you for doing that. And the reason I say thank you is it reminds me, it's so similar to my story. I can remember all the things you said, feeling so stressed out um, about seeing everything happen, things that you, we unfortunately know happen were just amplified and you could actually see it in, on the media. I actually remember any time during that time, I felt so sensitive and like a protector. Anytime I would see the police stopping somebody, I was like, oh, oh let's pull over right here. Because you're not going to try it while I'm here. Like, I just felt like a protector of it. But it was so stressful. Yeah. And you talk about pre-existing conditions. I'm like, my grandparents and my parents. And I went searching. I was like, I need someone Black <laughs> to understand what it was. And I was looking for therapists. And I, I really could not find them. And then I ended up stumbling upon a podcast called Therapy for Black Girls. But that was because I kept typing in therapy for black girls mm -hmm. and then that was sort of like my podcast story i'm like when you talk about i'm like does, does this exist being an introverted black woman is a different experience than what other people would have if you're mm -hmm. not black i'm like there has to be other people so anyway that's so to say, thank, thank you. you thank you thank you for um, yeah. something that you were looking for. I think that it's important for us to, instead of, you know, looking at a situation be like, oh man, I wish that existed. It It's like, well, right. it doesn't exist. Somebody has to create it. Yeah. And I may not have all the resources. I may not have the skill set necessarily, mm -hmm. but I figured out because I saw a need, I figured out right. how. And you saw a need and you figured out how, right? Absolutely. And and with that being said, with you creating and then I created something, it brings together a platform. So then we both, you know, I'm learning things. All right. I'll go off on a tangent. But <laughs> so um, getting back to Exhale and all the work that you've done with um, women involved in mental health, what sort of like stressors do you find that Black women face? Like what are some common stressors? That yeah, are specific I mean, to the community. Yeah, I mean, something that we found out that was really uh, not surprising to me, um, it won't be surprising to you, but the data <laughs> really reflected that key stressors um, for Black women is racial trauma, stereotypes, and discrimination. Those were key contributors to our stress in the workplace and in our everyday lives. And so... Yeah. Again, it wasn't a surprise um, because as you know, as I know, those are our stressors, but it was interesting to see that now that I have data to reflect that. And, you know, something that we found was while, you know, a lot of 
companies, organizations, and institutions, some of them a little later to the party um, to develop DEI programs, DEI Mm -hmm. initiatives in their organizations and companies. Some folks was doing that prior to 2020, but a lot of folks was you know, Did you see lots of people hopping on the bandwagon for diversity and inclusion? Okay. Uh, they so were you saw that too. to the party. But what, yeah. what we saw in, in the survey that we did, the State of Self-Care for Black Women report, was that Black women said that while diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives, you know, are very common in institutions today, um, mm-hmm. fostering safe places for Black women requires making more specific resources available to them. So they um, they want 77% actually of Black women that we surveyed believe there's a need for more well-being um, tools and resources tailored to their specific needs. So those are some of the things that really emerged that weren't surprising in the report, but we're enlightening that we hope that we can call um, white people and non-people of color in to say, mm-hmm. what are you doing to support the black women in your life, black women that are part of your institutions, your organizations, your companies? Yeah. Okay. So I know that you do like kind of overall well-being. We talked a lot about mental. So given the stressors that you said, how does that affect some women physically? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think when we think about um, our mental health um, and then we think about our physical health or our, our emotional well-being, we tend to talk about it in silos, right? But what's true is we're not fragmented people. We're whole human beings. And so if my mental health is not well, then it will impact my physical health. And so for instance, racial trauma, we experience discrimination, racism, it impacts our mental health. Um, When I experience a microaggression at work, it activates my fight, flight, or freeze mode. So my, my, my nervous system is activated and stress hormones are released, which is a natural way our body Um, reacts to a traumatic situation or a stressful situation Mm -hmm. to protect us. So I know you probably have been in a, maybe an almost accident where you screeched your brakes or a car and you can Mm -hmm. feel that rush of like your face gets hot and your Mm -hmm. heart starts racing and your hands sometimes are shaking. You can like pull your hand back from the wheel and you're like, (laughs) what just happened? All of that, what's happening is your nervous system is releasing hormones and releasing chemicals to help you fight, fight, or freeze, right? To protect yourself. What happens with Black people is that's happening to us all the time. So we're supposed to be, humans are supposed to be in our parasympathetic nervous system 80% of the time, which is our rest and digest, Mm -hmm. right? Part of our nervous system. That's just not true for Black people. So the Black community, we are in a heightened state of stress, which releases stress hormones more often, which leads to physical illness like heart issues, high blood pressure, you know, all of those things that we see prevalent in our community, 
right? And so we can't look at our physical health, our mental health and our emotional health in as, 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 and we, not that we can't, but it's really important to realize that as whole human beings, they all work together. So if I'm taking care of my physical health, awesome. I also, it also impacts my mental health. So myself, usually, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting, I don't have my emails. Um, I, I usually get, um, I, if I feel stressed, sometimes I'll go on a walk and I'll feel better. Right. Like you're moving Mm -hmm. your body, like you're moving your body. So so it, it does impact your mental health. Like even when it's, I live here in Indiana, it gets cold in the winter. I'll like bundle up and go outside and do like a meditative walk. Why? Because it's all connected and all my mental health will feel better. And so I think it's important for us as the black community to really like, as I'm engaging in maybe getting therapy or downloading Exhale app and doing breath work yeah. techniques, meditations. And as I'm working out, realizing that all of these things are resources and ways that we can engage in to help us live healthier, happier lives. So Exhale app isn't the solution, right? It's one solution in a big toolbox, right? Self-care, where we say, this is how, this is my little self-care toolbox. Exhale app happens to be one of those resources. My Mm -hmm. gym membership or walking happens to be another one. My therapist happens to be another one. Like whatever those things are, my community happens to be another one. Eating healthy happens to be another one. So thinking about our mental, emotional, physical health as one whole um, entity, right? That we have to invest in and take care of. It's important. No, you are so, you are so right about that. I am excited that you had this view on things. Um, I, I say that because sometimes I've been in these conversations with people and especially, especially if maybe they're really knowledgeable about, um, the medical field or like traditional, like Western medicine. And so, they tend to separate the two. And anyway, I am not the expert like you are, but I remember one time I was making a case that I would like to see the way that we get checkups for our physical body and the way that's taken serious. I believe that we should do that same thing for our mental health. And it's funny you mentioned therapy and enrolling that because I was on a therapy session earlier before I got on with you and just, you know, prioritizing that. And then um, I recently... I um I deal with some uh, autoimmune disease issues, so it really affects my joints. But I took the time a few months ago, and I'm like, I go and I get a professional stretch now. So I go to people who stretch me professionally, but I don't skip my therapy appointments for my mental health or the physical. But what? So anyway, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do you feel the importance of mental health as it stacks up to physical health? I think I know your answer, but. I mean, I think it's equally as important. And I think that one impacts the other, um, even our emotional well-being, it all impacts each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to really think about like, what ways am I taking care of, you know, all parts of myself? And, you know, as black women, we're just not even used to asking ourselves that question. Um, our society puts us on the furthest of margins. We um, don't get centered in most equity, justice conversations, right? And so um, I think that for us to even ask that question, um, how can I take care of my mental health, my emotional well-being, my physical health, 
is an act of resistance to these oppressive systems. Just even asking myself, what do I need and how can I prioritize myself is an act of resistance. You and I and our community can bring awareness to these systems. We can fight um, mm -hmm. to, to help bring um empower people to speak up about these systems, but we don't yeah. hold because of the way our culture and our society is set up, we don't hold the power and privilege power. to dismantle these systems. Mm -hmm. um, that's for white folks and non-people of color to be able to, yeah. to do that. But what we mm -hmm. can do in the midst of these systems is take care of ourselves. And that is a form of resistance. So you go in to your stretch person, you go into your therapist, you downloading Exhale app and breathing yeah. app for five or 10 minutes or doing a meditation or a guided journey is an act of resistance. And I think as a community, when we begin, which is nothing new, I'm not saying anything new, the Black Panthers in the 60s was setting up not just places for kids to come and get food, help, you know, mm -hmm. get food and they could do their homework, they were doing meditations. You know, Rosa Parks was practicing yoga. Like we are wow. told those yeah. stories. Like we aren't told those stories. But yeah. there's something about, you know, the way in which we engage um, in these practices that's not new. It's not new, right? And mm -hmm. so realizing that this is ancestral. Yes. This is a part of yes. my lineage. Like this is a part, this is my birthright. My birthright is to have peace. My birthright yes. is to thrive. My ancestors went through what they went through so that I could have another level of thriving in my life, right? And in order to do that, I can't just let life happen, right? I have to be proactive in my well-being. I have to be proactive in really taking care of myself because I now know these systems are out to kill us. They ain't playing yes. with us. These systems are not, they did not come to play patty cake. We right. see it every day. We saw specifically when we kind of look at that window of time during the pandemic in 2020, we, in 2021, we saw it exasperated. We yeah. heard people commentating about it that was harmful, right? And so I think it's real, it's, it's like, oh, these these systems aren't here to just, you know, not play fair. They're here to, here to kill us <laughs> and oh, take our health serious. And our mental and emotional and physical health are all intertwined together. And we've got to figure out a rhythm on how are we engaging and taking because one spills into the other. Right. Mm -hmm. One care of the other. Right. I, I can remember. Um, I'm glad you said that. And I want to say this respectfully. I don't mean this offensively. Um, when the pandemic started, I remember telling my sister, we didn't know how long it would last. Like I said, I'm like, I don't know what this will be, but this will be like a good time for me. Like, I just, I'm a big believer, like we will learn something. And as we saw things were slowing down, I'm like, I think we'll slow down and we will get some lesson out of it. So obviously I know lives were lost and a lot of people were financially impacted. One of them. But on the flip side, being forced to slow down and just kind of get out of that rat race mentality and like corporate climbing and okay, when I was younger, I thought of myself, oh, I would, I would climb the professional ladder, career woman, this and these things. And then I'm like, I realized 
that wasn't as important to me. Like my passions and things like I can see the passion with you speaking about this. So mm-hmm. it's like, I want to do something I'm passionate about as well. But um, I forgot where I was going with this because I'm really excited. Oh, wait, but I'll say this point. I thought of something else. When you talk about things being intertwined, it makes me think about like when you hear that thing, gut feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was thrown around all the time. Like, oh, I got a gut feeling about this. But it wasn't until I slowed down during that pandemic period when I'm like, wait, what? We When I learned all of these things about how to take care of yourself better physically and spiritually, like we say that for a reason. It's not just a thing to say. You That's really how to interconnect. You really do feel, you'll think something and you can really feel it in your gut. So they have to be intertwined. It shouldn't be so separate. absolutely i mean that's our intuition that's the part of us that's pulling us home that's the part of us that's saying slow down that's the part Mm -hmm. of us that's guiding us and saying take care of yourself right it's that intuitive part of us that's leading us to a better way and when we're super busy like you said pre-pandemic we're just a part of the rat we were all part of that rat race and some people return to that rat race and some people are like, peace, no, thank you. I'm not, or I'm going to do it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, listening, pausing really sat a lot of us down to begin to like tune in to that part of us. That's always been there. It's yeah. always been a leading. It's always been like, Hey, right. and so we just we don't it. listen. And sometimes we yeah. don't listen. We get sick and that sits us down. Right. And forces us to listen. And so your body, your intuition, your mind, your soul, your heart, whatever you want to call all of that. I I like to call it my higher self. My highest self is always speaking. And I think that time sat us down. And a lot of us think there was a collective of people that tuned in and began to listen and follow that instead of re-engaging in the rat race. I I agree. We could get onto a whole other subject with that, but yeah, I agree. I just know I feel really grateful that I chose to kind of see things and and go a different path that works better Mm -hmm. for me. And Mm -hmm. it has helped my physical health, mental health, all that stuff tremendously. You're probably um, going to live longer. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. And and as long as I'm here, the goal is to live as fruitful and as exciting mm-hmm. life as possible. Absolutely. Truly it is. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we were talking about, I'm going to get back a little bit into stressors and I know we'll wrap up soon, but um, I have some notes now. Okay. So we were talking about self-care and how a lot of black women we need to prioritize and with your studies and with the survey, what do you see that Black women are doing currently to help themselves on a daily basis with self-care? Yeah, I think um, some of the things that really showed up was being in community. Like, who you, who are your people? What's your, Who's your support system? Um, mm-hmm. Leaning into that community, um, I think, is was one of the key things that people talked about, whether that's you know, a friend group, family, um, whatever that looks like, um, was, was again, wasn't surprising because that's, that's how I was raised. I was raised in a predominantly black neighborhood, black neighbors, black, uh, family community center. We went to Carver community center and 
played sports and like we that's community you I grew up leaning into each other I remember when my mom got laid off from her job it was our neighbors who showed up right with groceries and like we got you right it was family who showed up and so I think community is really big um that's what showed up in the survey is is um as a as a form of self-care and I don't think we really look at it that way, but the way we were able to form the questions, that's what came out. And so my encouragement to all of, to you and your listeners is who's your people? Um, Call on them, you know, pick up the phone, text them. Like when you need, um, when you need help, when you need support, reach out. Like we're built for community, right? Like that's how our community, that's how the black community um, operates. I think best. And so that came out. And, you know, I think self-care for Black women doesn't look like um, uh, the definition of self-care. You know, wellness is a very white um, space. It's white practitioners, white folks, you know, creating things. Even yoga has become pretty whitewashed. Not pretty. It is whitewashed here in the United States. And so um, I think that what is what I'm learning, what I'm learning from the work that I'm doing and also from the survey is black women are redefining self-care and what that looks like for us because Mm -hmm. we can't just um, stroll into a yoga studio and feel 100% safe, right? Because white people are there and white people are running it and it could be harmful. So I'm going to have my guard up, right? And so I think we're redefining what self-care looks like. And I think community is a really big one for us. Um, and also, you know, I love the nap ministry. I don't know if you follow the nap ministry, but, um, they really talk about, oh, the name of, oh, I, of course I'm, I'm, my, I'm having a brain around the founder, the founder of the nap ministry, but, um, they really, she really teaches, um, about rest and, about taking naps, Trisha. Trisha. Hurst. Oh wow, Trisha said Sorry, I had a brain freeze. I had to look it up because I want to give credit where credit is due. To okay, Trisha. yes, I, I looked it up too. Okay, so she no, has. A, yeah, she has a book that she just wrote and um, really talking about the power of rest, um, like true rest, like taking a break and not feeling guilty for kicking your feet up and, and closing your eyes and taking a nap, like. Um, And so I think that we are engaging and redefining what self-care looks like for us. Yes, I like to go get my nails done. Yes, I love to go get a pedicure, but also realizing that there's power in breath work, right? Returning to my breath because it shifts my nervous system like we talked about a little bit ago. Engaging in community. Who are my people? Who can I lean into, Mm -hmm. right? Taking a nap. Growing up, my grandmother, she would... Um, hang our clothes on the line. She would wash our clothes. We had a washer, but we didn't have a dryer. And she would go hang the clothes out in the spring and summer. She'd hang them outside. And in the winter, that she'd hang them in the kitchen and turn the oven mm-hmm. on and warm them. Yeah. That was my That's <laughs> here in Indiana. And so um, she would hang the clothes out on the line. She'd start dinner. And um, she would come in the living room and kick her feet up um, on her stool and she would mm-hmm. close her eyes and she, we thought she was asleep. And so my sister and I would start cutting up, you know, we'd start getting this stuff and be like, granny's asleep. We can do whatever we want. 
but she would hear it. She's like, I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep. And then she would say, I'm just resting my eyes. And now that I'm like learning about the, what self-care looks like for black women and femmes, like, what does that look like for us? Um, I, I'm remembering my grandmother pausing in the middle of the day, could be three o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon. She would kick her feet up and rest her eyes. She wasn't necessarily asleep, but she was resting and how there's power in that. And so I think that we're, we're redefining self-care because if we keep looking to what society is telling us, what self-care is, that is a very white centered uh, definition. And it doesn't always, it won't work for us. Or will harm us, right? If we operate um, in some of those spaces. And so I think it's important to really think about like what works for you and yeah. continuing to have these conversations, like the conversation we're having, we're going to continue to do surveys and collect data from black women. Um, because I think we're learning from each other, you know, like what that means following the nap ministry and realizing like, Oh, how powerful rest is for black women and black people. And that it's not just, Oh, I took a nap and I was lazy for an hour. It's like, no, I needed that because that just right. that nap kind of saved me. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, this is good. Okay. Okay. All right. So we talked about self-care, um, the ways in which black women are practicing them. Now on your findings, did you ever encounter women saying, like, here's the barriers or here's, like, my resistance to self-care. Have you ever experienced anyone talking about them resisting self-care or why they felt they couldn't do it? I think that, you know, in some of the conversations that I have, I'm also a coach, so I coach Black women specifically one-on-one. Mm -hmm. -on -one. And something that arises for me is, again, like what we talked about, a lot of the wellness spaces are white-centered, uh, yeah. whitewashed, right? And so we can't go into even um, – I follow somebody that is in the Pilates world of black women that's kind of redefining um, Pilates and, and taking up space for black people in the Pilates world. Right. And how, you know, women have told me like, you know, I've, I've tried to engage in that, or I've tried and I've been the only black woman in the room or one of few in the room, or they've said something that's harmful. Right. And so I think that we, it's, it's, again, nothing new. We walk around pretty guarded, as we should, right, to protect ourselves. Yes. And, and um, I think that's why, you know, what we created with Exhale app, um, we're unapologetically centering Black women. So when Black women come to the app, they see themselves reflected back to them mm -hmm. in the images, the, the audio. Mm -hmm. We talk about microaggressions. We talk about the ways in which Black women and femmes have to weave through life. And it's a place where they can truly like kind of let their guard down and be able to engage in a way that's like, oh, there's actually speaking to me. I don't have to morph or fit into this space. This space was actually created for me to like be. And so that's the biggest thing that I hear from people is that like it's hard. It's hard and also a very privileged place to say, oh, I'm going to for for somebody to be like self-care means get a therapist, get a coach, go to yoga, make sure you get a gym membership, do Pilates. Like that's a lot of financial resources, Yep. right? Yeah. But it takes to do all of those things. Right. And so sometimes when we're, when we're looking at self-care 
out there and what, what that's being defined as, we look back and like, well, I can't do that. Right. Like for me, for example, I'm still taking, I'm taking care of my 80 year old mother. Like I help pay her bills Mm -hmm. and and helping to like helping my kids too. So there's like, I don't have all of those financial resources to go do all of those amazing things that you might get to do as a white person, as a privileged person. And so I think we have to, again, really look at like, how are we redefining self-care for us and what that can look like and getting really creative as we are creative, innovative um, community, black people are innovative, we're creative. And so thinking about how we can do that, but, but that's been the biggest to me, what I have heard and, mm-hmm. and, and doing this work and engaging with black women is some of those spaces are just not for us. They're just not, which is harmful, which then, or they cost money or that, right. Which then means yep. I'm not going to engage. So what I, my work is saying, here's an app, right? You can download the app, super affordable, right? You can engage in, it's on your phone. So you can do it in the privacy yeah. of your home. You can do it in your car You can go to the mm-hmm. bathroom at work and do it, right? <laughs> Meditate, like, right? Yeah, it's really easy and it's really accessible. Um, and it's for us unapologetically for yes 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 that makes me feel good when when to know that something is specifically for me um oh okay we gotta wrap up so well the one last thing that hopefully we can get into is um well two things one whatever your final remarks are encouragement or any tips you have for us and then I want you to share where we can connect with you. And then I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. So any social media handles and um, app or any other exciting projects you have. And yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the little tidbit um, that I would leave with you and your listeners is um, prioritize yourself and, and do that unapologetically. Um, we are specifically as black women used to are so conditioned to care for everybody else. Right. And it stems from chattel, chattel slavery. Right. I mean, if like we like and our ancestors, um, people extracted from us. Right. And Mm -hmm. extracted and extracted and extracted. That's our system of colonialism. It it extracts and it specifically has extracted from black women in more ways than one. Um, And I could go into all the ways, but I won't. Um, So I think that we have to really um, resist those systems that are oppressing, hurt, harming and killing us and say, okay. I'm going to unapologetically prioritize myself and you're going to have to wait and you're going to have to wait and you're going to have to wait. And that's hard for us to do. It's really a unlearning and a relearning because we're so conditioned to just give, 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 show up, show up, show up, show up. And when we don't, we feel guilty. We feel horrible. Like we feel like these horrible people when we, we yep. set boundaries and say no. So I think the thing that I would leave with you and your listeners is really be unapologetic about prioritizing yourself. It's the whole um, metaphor of being on the plane. And, you know, if the mass, 
uh, oxygen masks comes down, put it on yourself first. It's Mm -hmm. that, it's that metaphor. Like I have to take care of me in order to be able to show up and take care of all of the things that are on my list and all of the people that are waiting and all of, right. We carry so much on our backs as black women. And what I'm saying is take some of that stuff off your back and prioritize (laughs) yourself. And it could be as easy as opening up exhale app and breathing with for five minutes or two minutes Mm -hmm. or three minutes. Right. It could be as easy as like my grandmother sitting in her chair kicking her feet up and closing her eyes, resting her eyes. It could be that easy. It could be, I'm not going to call that person back until I rest my eyes, right? So it's prioritizing ourselves because if we don't, we're dying earlier, we're getting sick, right? And it's time for Black women to be front and center in our own health and well-being. And, and so that's my hope is that is that we'll begin to really prioritize ourselves. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yes. All right. Closing out, where will we find you? So I can link it all in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> you can find me, um, really exhale on Instagram at exhale app. You can follow us on Instagram. Um, also exhale dash app.com is our website. You can go there. You can download the report from there. Um, see all of the key findings. You can also sign up for our newsletter there. We send out a newsletter monthly to keep y'all, everybody oh, updated on what Excel's doing. Um, and then you can follow me at Katara McCarty, K-A-T-A-R-A-M-C-C-A-R-T-Y on Instagram. I'm pretty much there. I'm on LinkedIn too. You can always follow me. But Instagram's pretty, that's where I hang out the most. Is, that's, that's your main staple is that's Instagram? That's my main staple. I'm, you know, I'm 51. <laughs> I can't handle a bunch of social media accounts. So Instagram's it for me. <laughs> what? Yeah. On, on another note, after we exhale, you got to drop that skincare routine. Because what? <laughs> you don't wear. That's part not fair. Part of it is part of it is getting grounded and centered every day. People take that for granted. It does impact everything. It impacts yes. everything. Yeah. I think that sold itself. Okay. <laughs> that we, look, will heal your skin. <laughs> right. There we go. Everybody that is listening, everybody that's watching, download the app so we can look like Katara, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody out there in listener land, um, I will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye.